Hey Seeking Plum, how are you doing? Larry here from the Daily Larb. I figured I'd jump in on the whole free will determinism thing. Um, it's a very interesting subject and I think one of the one of the biggest um, problems we have at whatever level of discussion we're having it is that uh, we think it either it either needs to be one or the other and um, perhaps our definition of both needs to change. Um, you mentioned I think maybe it was towards the end of the first of two segments that um, perhaps you're just along for the ride. And uh, I happen to believe that. Um, although I do believe that we have an influence over what our, our, our experience is. Uh, once we gain some momentum, um, it's been my experience that uh, there's not much we can do about it in the moment. You know, it requires a little bit of groundwork. I think the fundamental question in all of this inquiry is who are we? Who is it or what are what is it that I am when I refer to me, the surface personality that appears to exist? Um to me it seems it's just an idea. Then we've got the physical aspect which maybe comes out of the idea or comes out of deeper ideas. Um but I think the what we have come to know as the unconscious self and the conscious self is simply one self um, and perhaps this personality, this ego looks outward and perhaps can influence the one on the inside and the one on the inside can influence the one on the outside and uh, it's a two-way street, a 360 degree exchange you might say. Anyway, that's just my view. Hey Larry, it's nice to hear from you. So I didn't touch on any of this in either one of the segments, and but this might play into what you are describing in your first call. Before knowing about this experiment, and then even after knowing about it, and then understanding that there is this delay between when the neuroelectrical uh, uh, pulses happen and when we uh, consciously make the decision, well, it seems like most change can only happen after the fact. I mean, typically we always say hindsight is twenty twenty. We reflect, we look at what we did, choices we made, and then we endeavor to do something different next time. And maybe that's what you were alluding to when you mentioned momentum, that it's just a series of constant corrections or adaptations or whatever you want to call it. So really, we're living in this future version of ourselves rather than current version. It sort of sounds strange, but I, and I don't know if that I'm conveying it all that clearly. When I think about moving through life with these course corrections, and then I consider your um, idea of this 360 way of interacting with our inner and outer, or let's say the unconscious and conscious mind, I can come to a place where I see the conscious and unconscious being like two sides of the same coin, where we're co-cooperating in the same way, where hand in hand, we just don't necessarily see what the other one is doing or or understand what the other one is doing in the here and now. But when we look behind us, we can see where we've been and now how we have to adjust. 
You know, I don't think we usually think of the unconscious as cooperating with the conscious. It's usually this enemy of sorts. I mean, we don't quite come out and call it an enemy, but it's not always uh, something we consider to be our friend. Anyway, that was a random thought. But I, I agree with you. I think that um, there are too many times where we consider um, any idea that it has to be an either or rather than there being an alternative idea or it being both or or what have you. And so um, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. Thank you for calling and sharing your thoughts because it's allowed me to um, be able to not only hear what you have to say, but then to pull together some of the things I've thought and together uh, formulate a, a better thought processes, I guess, around all of this. So I appreciate that. Thank you. So I'll try and get this in. Last piece on uh, free will in 60 seconds. So neuroscience is big right now. Um, everyone's jumping all over it, the media are all over it and, and it's kind of, there's a danger in that that there'll be an over-reliance on, on the on the research that comes out of that field of study uh, and an over-trust in it if that's even a term, a term to use, but however um, I think it's a bit short-sighted and a bit simplistic to suggest that we're all uh, just signals in our brain, biochemical and bioelectrical signals. I think the brain is a result, is a result of consciousness, not a cause. And uh, if we're just all bioelectrical signals in our brain, well then, where does personal responsibility kick in for, you know, murder or crime of any kind, for that matter, you know? Anyway, we could talk all day about it. i leave you be. Take it easy. Hey Larry, you know, the field of neuroscience is going in places that was never expected. But first, that guy who did the experiment, Benjamin Libet, he was a neuroscientist and he was studying human consciousness. So those two things were overlapping even then, and that was in the 1980s. But back to now, neuroscience is more than just the electrical current or the chemicals or anything like that going on in our brains. I mean, they're finding that we have neurotransmitters in our gut. Yeah, and that it communicates with our brain. What I'm getting at is that I think that there is so much more to it that we don't understand yet. And somewhere in there, we might have a better understanding of what consciousness really is. And I don't think that that will necessarily mean that we are absolved of any responsibility. We just may have a better understanding at some point what it means to be conscious or unconscious. With respect to relying too heavily on the science, or in this case specifically neuroscience, this is a bit of, of sort of shaky ground to me because I'm with you and I'm not. We can have a nuanced conversation about not relying too heavily on science, and, and I'll get into that in a minute. But for someone who comes into this conversation and may not understand that there's nuance here and all they hear is do not rely heavily or do not rely on science, this creates larger problems within our society. 
From a nuanced perspective, by chance have you read or heard of the book The Accidental Universe by Alan Lightman? I read it not too long ago and actually several episodes came out of it. One of the valuable takeaways I found was that science is essentially just another belief, like philosophy. So science and philosophy are not really enemies, they're just different ways of coming at things. And then in further reading more of Bolato's book, Deviate, he talks a lot about assumptions, which feeds into the ideas of belief in that every aspect of our lives is built on assumptions. We assume that when we put our foot down, the floor is not going to move. We assume that when we take a breath, there's going to be oxygen there to take in. Lightman was making the argument or the discussion that science and philosophy can coexist because they are both based on belief. So with this understanding, I would say, yeah, we don't want to rely too heavily on any one belief. I think we always have to be prepared that there might be something more that we are going to learn. And with everything that we learn, it's never a solid state. It may be a fact today in this moment, but it may not remain a fact. So. I think that neuroscience has further to go, but I also think that philosophy can push science as well, and maybe even vice versa. <laughs> You're so right. We, we could talk about this for days. <laughs> There's so many aspects of it, so many rabbit holes, as I said before, and different ways to look at this. Um, as I said before, thank you, because you've helped me bring bits and pieces together for myself, and uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you.